Yeah, are you ready for the Bible this morning? All right, we're going to open up this morning in 2 Timothy, and I'm going to read chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. We'll come back to this, these verses a little later in the service as well. 2 Timothy 3.14 says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed. I want to repeat that. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for the opportunity you've given us to come together today. We worship you, Lord God, and we honor you as our God. We give you all the praise and all the glory, the one true God, and we love you in this place today. Lord, would you open up our ears to hear your word today? Uh, what you want to speak to every single one of us, Lord God. We open up our hearts to you. Pray for the empowerment and the leading of your Holy Spirit, God, to impart what's in your heart today. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your ability to speak to us as we enter into this new series, Lord. Just open up our hearts, Lord. We want to hear you. We want to know you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're starting this new series called Hearing God's Voice. And for a lot of people in their journey with Christ, the idea of hearing God can be intimidating. You know, it's easy to doubt ourselves. Um, It's easy to doubt our ability to hear. Um, Some of us can even doubt that he really wants to speak to us, that maybe he's got some other people that are really his favorites, and he'll speak to them, but he doesn't really speak to me because he's kind of mad at me, and, you know, I'm in time out for right now. And uh, what I find is that God is always pursuing us, um, always has something that he wants to say to us. And so what we're going to do in these next several weeks is we're going to strip away uh, the intimidation because God wants to speak to you. Um, And he has spoken to us. Um, And he is not trying to hide from us. He's not trying to elude us. He loves us. Um, He spoke so loud and clear with the cross of Jesus Christ. He spoke the fact that he does love us. It says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you wonder what God's disposition is towards you, look at the cross. And it says everything that you need to know, that he loves you, he loved you when you were messed up, he loves you while you're messed up, he wants to change and transform your life, he's got plans and purposes for you, and you were worth Jesus giving his life for you. He's not trying to elude you, he's trying to pursue you. You know, some people have wondered, well then why is it that God doesn't speak to us, um, like why don't we have like a like a place on earth like where he's just there and he's got a megaphone or maybe good internet access and he just tells us all, all the time, you know, and, and just speaks out loud all the time. There's a verse in Hebrews that talks about how it's impossible to please God without faith. And the reality is he is creating a relationship with us where we trust him, 
We trust who he is. We trust what he's doing. And there's this thing about faith and trust in God that's critical to our relationship with him being um, healthy. If you've been in a friendship, a relationship, a family relationship, a marriage, you know that trust is really important. And that's what faith is. It's trust. Trust in his words, trust in what he is saying. And what God wants is he wants us to trust him and trust him at his word. Amen? Remember my dad, you know, he used to have this saying, and I loved it. He says, don't put your trust in your ability to hear God. Put your trust in God's ability to speak. It kind of shifts the weight. Because sometimes we think, I'm too broken to hear God. You're not too broken to hear the one who created the universe and you. He knows how to, how to communicate to you. You've got to put your trust in him rather than in yourself. We're going to look at ways in which God speaks to us and that God reveals himself to us. What's great is God is, he has, and will continue to reveal himself to us. I want to get just a little, a little uh, Bible Institute, Bible college on you for a couple minutes because we're going to build towards something. And over the next several weeks, we will talk about many different ways in which God speaks to us. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to find out as we go on this journey, God has been speaking to you in ways that you didn't realize it was even God. And it's great when we can give him credit and when we can recognize what he's saying. But we're going to lay the foundation of that this morning by talking about Revelation and talking about how does, I don't mean the book of Revelations, I mean the aha, God revealing himself to us, right? We're going to talk about the ways in which God reveals himself to us. Now, this first phrase, general revelation. General revelation is how God has revealed himself to all of humanity. And there's three basic ways that we'll go through. One is through nature. Another is history, and the third is humanity. When we talk about nature, what we mean is, I don't know if you've recognized, but you go outside, isn't the world an unbelievable place? We were in Haiti last week, and we're in the middle of the Caribbean, and we're, we're looking at this beautiful water and these beautiful mountains and all of these things. And we, were, we took a hike one day, and I said, it's amazing how the ocean, the beach, the jungle and mountain are all within about 100 yards of each other right here. And we were just, it's just amazing. And it's amazing in creation, all of the magnificent things that God has done. When we look at nature around us, we see beauty. We see organization. Um, we see amazing complexity and yet great simplicity all at the same time. This is how... Romans 1.20 says it. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. The scripture basically is, is trying to describe how creation reveals that there's this eternally powerful, amazing God who created and designed things, that it's clearly seen. What's interesting is when you're reading these verses in Romans, it goes on to say that unfortunately, um, while that's true, people didn't know him, or although they knew him, they knew that he existed, that they didn't thank him or glorify him for it, that there is this need for more. And it's the way that the book of Romans uh, begins to build the case for why Jesus, why God in the flesh is necessary to come and show us his grace. It's just amazing. But the truth of he reveals himself through what's around us 
is absolutely true. You know, in human history, we see God's hand. Uh, We've seen God just end evil empires like Hitler's regime. Uh, You can't get any more evil than what was happening in those days, right? Um, Those kinds of things have happened all the way through history. There's also history setups that are pretty amazing for the gospel. Did you know that um, when Jesus came to the earth and when he lived and after he died and the the season that his disciples uh, lived in was a season called the Pax Romana, which means the peace of Rome. The Roman Empire had been established for a hundred years. And uh, if you remember, what is the last thing Jesus tells his disciples before he's taken up into heaven? He says, go and make disciples. It was this huge shift from being a nation to go into all nations, right? And the Pax Romana, or the state of the Roman Empire, uh, absolutely made the way for the gospel to be proliferated. For instance, they built roads between all the cities, and they were uh, much more protected than they had been in the past. The Greek language and even the Latin language were languages of business and commerce, so people of different nations were beginning to communicate with one another. And when the New Testament is written, it's written in Greek, and people can read it uh, and understand it. It's like this common language that brought people together. All of these things, when you look at it from a historical view, were a setup to make the gospel accelerate. Isn't that awesome? Another instance would be the, 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 uh, <clears throat> the invention of the Gutenberg Press, which came out just before, uh, a few decades before, uh, Martin Luther would lead the Protestant Re- Reformation and say, sola scriptura, only scripture, that we need the revelation of scripture. And he wrote a German version of the Bible. And then other people began making other versions of the Bible in a language that people could understand. Because before that, in church, they would read it in a language that people didn't understand, have the whole service in a language people couldn't understand. And the, the Gutenberg Press came right out before the Protestant Reformation, making the word of God easily put into the hands of people. Isn't that amazing? God can work in history. Then there's the idea of humanity itself and ourselves. God reveals himself by the fact that there's something in us that is a natural moral compass. Now, recognize there's a brokenness in humanity, but there is this basic sense in people between right and wrong, right? Um, Also, inside of humanity, there is this sense that there is something beyond this life, that there is something in eternity. There's something that goes beyond. The way that Ecclesiastes 3.11 says it is this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God has wired hardwired in us this sense of eternity this sense that there is life after where where we are now the thing about general revelation is is it's amazing and it's beautiful but it's not necessarily specific and it's very much open to interpretation right another person can look at nature and be animistic about it and believe that you know every every living thing goes on forever and that you know everything has a has a, a power and an aura and get some kind of creepy weird stuff and things like that so people can misrepresent it and so there's this need that we have for better revelation 
And what's great is God's not trying to hold it back for us. And so we move from general revelation where it's nature, history, and humanity, and we begin to talk about special revelation. And this is where we'll be for the next several weeks. When we talk about special revelation, we mean where God manifests or brings forward more specific revelation about himself, and it's him directly doing it. It's not through what he's created, but he's actually revealing it himself. So there's a lot of examples about, of this, and we're gonna, we'll take time to do, go through some of these examples later. But an example would be when God spoke to Moses. He came, or excuse me, came to Abraham first. He came to Abraham and he says, I want you to leave your family and everything here and I want you to go to a land that you don't know. Have you ever thought about that? Like, that's a big move, isn't it? Honey, we're leaving. Pack up. Where are we going? Um, I don't know. But we'll know when we get there. Abraham. You know, it's like, can you imagine that conversation that day? So who spoke to you? It was God. How did he spoke to you? I just knew it in my heart. There's, there's no evidence there that it was audible or anything like that. There's a lot of revelation in Scripture where God speaks to people, and it doesn't look like it was audible at all. We'll talk about that as weeks go on. And then you have situations like Moses and the burning bush, where the burning bush actually talks back. You're on holy ground. Takes off his shoes, right? There's... The prophetic word where God speaks to people in the Old Testament through prophets, speaks to people in the New Testament, speaks today through prophetic people and through gifts of the Holy Spirit, where the word of the Lord, where it's like, I think God is saying something very specific. We, just, we saw it in worship today when we introduced the song and Brenda uh, made the comment about if you came in here or worried or concerned about something, let's focus on God because he's glorious and he's got what you need. Just the, the word of the Lord in our hearts and our mouths, special revelation. But there's, there's two in the realm of special revelation that are very unique and in a class of their own. And those are Scripture and the incarnation of Jesus. Scripture being um, very personal, very precise, what God has written to us. And then incarnation being Jesus coming to earth. How substantial is that? Do you think God wants to talk to you? Sends his one and only son to the world, teaches and preaches, and his whole purpose is to go to the cross and give his life up to you because up for you because he loves you. Talk about special revelation, right? Direct revelation. Uh, it burdens me and it hurts me when I, when I know people or feel people think that God doesn't want to communicate with them. Because it's not the case at all. In, in my own history, in my own testimony, when my parents went back to church when I was 15 years old, I didn't want to have anything to do with it because I knew enough about Christianity that if you believe this book, you better give your life to Jesus because otherwise uh, eternity is hell. But life with Jesus is purposeful, it's eternal, and God has good plans for you. I knew enough about the book. What I struggled with was, was the book real? And was God real? And so I would secretly pray, even though I, told, I was communicating publicly to everybody, I'm an atheist. I would pray and I would say, God, if you are really who you say you are and you're who this book says you are, I will give you my life. And if you are not, you're not listening. 
and I'm good. I figured, I, I thought I was really smart at 16 and 17 years old. I was like, I've gamed this system. Well, look at me today. <laughs> so uh, don't think you can one-up one on God. Because he, he, said, he took me at my word. And uh, he said, okay, I'll show myself to you. And you will give me your whole life. And I'm good with that. And I've been good with it too. I'm very thankful that God was merciful to me because I was arrogant thought I knew a lot, you know, my 17-year-old self. Oh, I knew some stuff. The older I get, the more I realize I've got so much to learn, but I trust in the one who knows. Amen? When we talk about this special revelation, it's specific in nature. It's where God says, I want to be precise with you. Um, I have a, a message for you, and and the love that he has for you and the salvation that he has provided for you, it gets very specific. Um, And Scripture is the most reliable revelation that we have of God. You know, the thing about Scripture is the Lord has been so patient in putting Scripture together. He took hundreds, even thousands of years of human history to put the scripture together for you. And he didn't write it, have it written by one person so that it all rides on that one person. Somehow he was able to use many different authors through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it's brought together this word that has amazing continuity to it. And yet scripture has some mysteries in it too. Some things that uh, people don't understand. And, you know, the reality is we're human and God's infinite, and it's possible that we don't get it all, right? If you meet somebody who says they get it all, they're a liar or self-deceived, probably both, right? But what we can say with great authority and great confidence is, I know a lot about what Scripture says. We can know a lot about what it's trying to say. There's some things that I don't quite get, and I, I make those questions plain to God, and I just kind of give it to him. And I said, if you ever want to make me smart enough or wise enough, I'd love to know the answer to that one. But the, the beauty of Scripture, some people have asked, like, so how, how did it work when Scripture was, um, was penned? Uh, and, you know, theologians centuries ago spent a lot of time talking and debating about this. And what they really have come to believe through studying the words that were used, how things were written, uh, the flavor of the actual person writing the book and all those kinds of things, is that it wasn't a trance. Like we saw this, um, we saw this play once called The Spelling Bee, uh, 25th Annual Putnam Spelling Bee. And this one kid would get up, and every time they would spell, they would get up, and they would be like a... Uh, they fell into a trance. Spell the word jump. J-U-M-P. You know, it's like... They don't believe that Scripture was written where the Holy Spirit, like, possessed somebody like they they had no control and they're just writing and they they wake up from it and they're like, oh, wow, Holy Scripture, isn't that cool? Um, What they really believe is that they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, which is God revealing himself. And that it was better than a good book or better than a good writing, that it was going to be writing that was useful for then, but also writing that would be useful for centuries to come because it would be Scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would even use the personality and the vocabulary and the history and the context of the person. And yet it would stand the test of time where even though other things were written, there were just certain books that it's just like, man, the book of Exodus. Wow. What a story. 
What a narrative. Look at the amazing things that happen. And so these uh, sacred writings were copied over and over and over and over and over over centuries. And that's, that's what gives us the reliability of Scripture. Isn't that there's like in some secret safe, in a secret place, that there's the original copies. It's that we have copies of copies of copies of copies and copies of copies of copies. And if somebody gets really arrogant and thinks, oh, I think I'll add a little bit here, people go, oh, caught you. I'm checking the copies. Isn't that amazing? And so Scripture is this amazingly inspired and reliable thing. And when I came to the place that I said, God, I believe that you're real. And I believe that you have revealed yourself in this book. It settled so many things in my life. Because then I had this reliable way of going, what does God think about blank? This place that I can go and read stories, I can read directives, I can read songs, I can read so many different things. That is God opening up his heart to us and telling us the story of how he wants to rescue us. That's the story. I mean, you don't have to read very far and you realize we need rescued. And yet the whole book is revealing Jesus and revealing that we need his grace to save us, that we need to trust God so that we can receive this grace, that we need to change our minds and just say, you know what, God, I don't want to be my own God, and I don't want to follow my own way. I want to follow you, and I want to know you. I'm going to put you in the throne of my life, and I'm going to endeavor to know you more. Let's read that scripture again, 2 Timothy 3:14 through 6, 17. It's so powerful. It's ironic, too, because it's, Scripture, talking about Scripture, says, But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have been com- become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. They're able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every work. The beautiful thing about Scripture and what makes Scripture Scripture is that it's the message that was for them then, and it's the message that's for us today. One of the great things when you're studying Scripture is you endeavor to find out what it meant to them so that you can apply it to yourself today. Because it can never mean to us today what it never meant to them. Does that make sense? Because we want to we read it with their ears on and with what they're seeing. And because we have Scripture, we don't have to wonder or be confused about God. Is he good? The Lord is good and his love endures forever. We don't have to wonder or be confused about God's attitude towards us. We can look at scripture. And the thing is, in our lives, we have a lot of voices. We have our own voice of self-doubt and sometimes even self-hatred and and self-loathing and your heart on yourself and you're critical on yourself. And you know, God's attitude about that is, hey, that's my kid. Lighten up on yourself because I love my kid, right? And so Scripture begins to open these things up so that we have something substantively so that we are not making up things about God. We're allowing God to speak for himself. And what's great is when God speaks, 
There's amazing authority. Such amazing. He spoke and it was. Right? So when we, when we have the word of God like that, it's such a, a, a bedrock for us. Now, our faith isn't in the word. Our faith is in the one who inspired the word. You catch that? It's the who behind the writing, not the writing itself. It's who's speaking to us. Our faith is in him. It's so beautiful. So we don't, we don't have to wonder what he thinks about us. You know, John 10, 10, where it says that you may have life and have it to the full. We don't have to wonder if he likes us. It's he's slow to anger and he's abounding in love in Exodus 34, verse 6. And when we look at these things, we see that God's word just has such great power, right? He speaks, and it becomes to pass. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Isn't that amazing? He said it. You need to apply that to your life. He said it. I believe it, and that's what I stand on. I love is our God is not fickle. He's not changing his mind. He's not shifting around. He's not trying to fool us. So I want to encourage you when it comes to hearing God, and this is where we're landing today, the first and most important thing, if you want to hear God, is fill yourself with his word. Just fill yourself with what he has spoken. You know, when God... When you begin to read the Bible or listen to the Bible, there's apps where you can do both, right? What you're doing is you are filling the library of your heart and mind with what God says. And the the reality is there's going to be times where you're listening and hearing what God says and you're going to go, but that's what he wants to say to me today. Some of you all do that with little devotionals, right? Read a scripture, somebody writes a devotional, you're like, how did they know? It's like just what I needed today. God's just so smart, right? But filling yourself with Scripture is so wise. We're going to talk about many of the reasons why it's important. One reason is when we talk about these other ways that God speaks to us, through circumstances, through our own heart, through other people, and all these kinds of things, Scripture is the reliable thing that we can go back to to test and say, is that really God? Because we can hear a lot of voices. People can give us a a bad word, if you will, right? Our own minds can give us a a bad word. The world around us can give us a bad word. What's great is you can trust this word. And so when something comes to you and you go, is that the Lord speaking? You've got something reliable that you can go back to, you know? Should I slice my, uh, my boss's tires? No. That's not the word of the Lord. I'm just driving today and I just felt like God said that was not Jesus. He is not a tire slicer. They didn't have cars back then. Jesus is not a tire slicer. But we can know the character of God and how God deals with people. What's amazing about God, and you find this in Scripture, is he's not into kind of cookbook theology where, well, it always works exactly this way. You find that God just likes to do miracles and amazing things and supernatural things in all kinds of creative different ways just to show that he's God. But his principles and his truths do not shift and change. And I find that very settling. I want to give you a couple practical things when it comes to just reading the Bible. 
for some of us, that's a whole other topic that can be intimidating of, of reading your Bible and how much do I read and what do I do and all that kind of stuff. On our website, um, there's, a, there's a tag called Discipleship at the top, and you click on it. And the website's victorychristian.church, which is in your bulletin. You click on Discipleship, and there's a list of some videos. Um, go back to where you were, please. Thank you. Um, one of the, there's two lessons just on Scripture. One of them tells you how to pick a Bible. Another one tells you some simple things about how to read your Bible. There's also uh, videos on things like how to pray and, how, and about baptism if you've never been baptized and you're ready to take your next step. All of that's there as well. Um, other things that can be helpful is you can go online. You can go to the next one. Thank you, Phoebe. And there's lots of web-based things that you can use to research the Bible. Um, the videos can show you how those are useful. It's kind of fun before you read a book to go, why was this book written and who wrote it and who did they write it to? It kind of begins to open things up in a whole new and fresh way to you. And another way that we have for you to study the Bible is rightnowmedia.org, which anybody at Victory can have an access to it. And it is the Netflix of Bible studies. Just awesome Bible studies on all different types of topics and things like that. And you can do it in a life group. Um, you can do it uh, at home with your own family or, or as a couple or as an individual. You can stream it on your phone. You can stream it on your tablet. Isn't the world so cool, all the different things that we can do?